Hey, First Church, welcome to our Easter services. I'm so glad to be here with you. My name is John. I'm the pastor here at this church, and many of you are joining us from your living rooms. That's awesome. And even if you don't believe, let's just take a moment to put aside distractions and invite God's presence into this place, open up our minds and hearts. This is not what we had prayed for. I'm going to be honest. I had been praying that we could meet in person. I'm still praying, uh, and uh, we're not in person. And it reminds me of Paul, the greatest pastor of all time. Um, He saw Jesus, he knew Jesus, and he had this issue that was terrible for him. The Bible calls it a thorn in his flesh, which is kind of like a graphic description, description, like thorn in flesh. But he prayed that God would take it away, and uh, he prayed for a miracle, just like we're praying for a miracle. And I want you to see what happened. 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Here's the truth. For whatever reason, God's power is working through us today. Sometimes I wish it was working through us in a different way. I don't understand it. Sometimes I feel like I don't see it, but I believe him and I trust him. And I'm thrilled to have the privilege of your time right now. Some of you are regulars online and in person. Some of you are tuning in because it's Easter. Hello. Uh, Some of you are tuning in because you stumbled across this on your news feed because people were sharing it. And by the way, thank you for sharing it. That means a lot to us. To me personally, it's really helpful in spreading the message of Jesus. Thank you for sharing. Please consider doing that. But I know all of us, regardless of our faith or no faith, have questions about God. And that's what I want to address today. I want to have a conversation about this. The big question I want to talk about is how could God let this happen? Now, I've got some stuff to say today that I think could be super important. I think it could change your perspective on life. I think it could give you hope. And uh, it's going to give you something to think about, at the very least. So for the next 20 minutes, put aside distractions and consider what I want to challenge you with. And uh, this could be the most important thing that you'll ever hear. And I don't think that people will want to miss this. I think that it's going to give you hope and encouragement. I think it could save some lives. And at the very least, it could inspire you, expand your consciousness, and give you a deeper awareness of what Christians believe, even if you don't believe. So I want you to get this. This message is for people who are looking for real answers about God existing, real answers about heaven and hell itself. This is for people who have no faith or deconstructed faith or dying faith. This is for people with nagging questions and for people with a strong faith, but you have people in your life that need questions answered. Uh, If you are a thinker with real questions, this message is for you. I think all of us have a tendency to assume that the present moment is going to last forever. I mean, I think this is pretty common. When I was in sixth grade, I was was a pretty fast mile runner. But even for me, when I ran the mile, I thought that it was going to last forever. I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. This is going to take forever, right? But when you were done, it was was like that wasn't actually that long. Uh, In college, I thought, this is going to be forever. College is going to be forever. And it felt like forever in the moment. But afterwards, it's like just a blip. It didn't take that long. And I promise you, the coronavirus pandemic... In the moment, it seems like forever, but it will from the perspective of the end of our life, and for some of us from the perspective of eternity, it's not going to seem like that long of a time. Now, my daughter, my daughter, she wept the other day uh, because I made her clean up crayons. Honestly, we're talking about about crayons here, and uh, she started cleaning up the crayons, and she looked at me. She's just weeping. She says, John, your dad, this is going to take forever, and I'm like, forever, really? She's like, yeah, and her reality was so suspended in that moment that cleaning up a box of crayons seemed like it was going to take forever, which to me, I mean, it's laughable, but she lost perspective of her life, of her time. She's weeping over these crayons, and then she went total middle child on me, and she's like, you don't love me. Why do you love the other daughters more than you love me? And Keep in mind, it's a box of crayons we're talking about here. She had so much going for her, but in that moment, she just lost it. She lost it. 
She needed to zoom out and remember the full perspective of her life and remember the two-minute time period in which take cleaning up those crayons actually would be in the perspective of the rest of her life. This pandemic is serious. And I know a lot of us have lost a lot of things. But what I want to do with you is I want to zoom out for a moment and I want to answer and ask some big questions that might be a big help to you. And uh, listen, specifically to the irreligious, the agnostic, the deconverted, and the atheists, please stay with me to the end. I care about you. My family, my extended family, has a lot of atheists in it. My dad was raised in an atheist family. My mom was raised in a Buddhist family. I have a lot of compassion for deep, real questions. And I have some loving, hard questions that I'd like to ask back to you. And I just want to say thank you in advance for keeping an open mind and listening till the end. Now, first question I want to ask, just an icebreaker here, but really... um. How fast have you ever traveled? What's the fastest you've ever traveled? I've been in a car traveling well over 100 miles an hour. And that's silly. That's dumb. When I was younger, I thought I was invincible. I won't do that anymore, but you know, don't do that. But um, on a plane to Japan, 747, on the way over to Japan to visit my mom's family, we traveled at 570 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Uh, but that doesn't even compare to how fast we're all traveling right now. Sitting on planet Earth, we're traveling at 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. That's nothing, though, compared to our solar system. Our solar system and our little arm of the Milky Way galaxy is traveling at a mind-numbing 514,000 miles an hour. That's how fast we're moving. And our galaxy is moving through the universe at the relativistic speed of 1.3 million miles per hour. That's mind-blowing. I mean, we're flying. We're going. We're on this tiny ball of water that's actually a ball of fire, because that's crazy, but that's actually what it is, and we're circling around another ball of fire called the sun that's over a million times bigger than planet Earth. I mean, that's crazy. Think about the significance of that. I know a lot of times we don't really. We lose perspective on our life, but no matter how good or bad your day is, our existence, the simple facts of our life should kind of blow your mind. And on top of all of that, we're sitting on this ball of water and fire because that's what it is, and we're alive. Did you know that there's 26 fundamental constants that need to be just right for the universe to exist? Not even for life to exist, just for the universe, for matter to exist. The force of gravity, if it varied by one part in 10 to the 60th parts, we wouldn't exist. Now, that's crazy. That's one with 60 zeros after it. I mean, that number is so incomprehensibly large. Like, we have very little measurement tools that would allow us to get that precise, and yet that's how precise gravity is. The force of an electron the mass of a proton, the mass of a neutron, just right. Now, here's what we know about the universe. These 26 fundamental constants tell us that the universe is finely tuned. If any one of these 26 constants were at all, even slightly off, we wouldn't be here. The universe wouldn't be here. And what we know is this universe has all these different dials that are perfectly tuned for matter to exist and even for life to exist. I mean, it's kind of crazy because this piano right here, this is a nice piano. You know, Grant loves playing on this thing, and he's really good at it. This piano is a beautiful instrument. It's got all these little strings in it, and it is like a crude rock. It's just an absolutely crude instrument compared to what the universe is. I mean, the universe is so much more complex and so much more finely tuned than a piano. And what we know is that there is a tsunami of evidence, not a small amount of evidence, but more evidence than we have for most other things, that the universe is finely tuned. Tuned. And what a finely tuned universe tells us is that there must be a fine tuner. There used to be this theory called atheistic evolution. And uh, what it said is that we got here by random chance over time. And I actually think that there are parts of that theory that are pretty decent. You know, there's evidence that an evolutionary process has occurred that has allowed us to make accurate predictions within the geological record. And I'm not going to deny that. I'm not here to debate that. But within the last two decades, the idea that there is no God behind life processes has been proved emphatically wrong. Not that organisms evolved. I'm not debating that. 
But the idea that there is no God guiding life's process is simply wrong. Not like possibly wrong, but like certainly, overwhelmingly, and clearly wrong. We know that there is a designer to this universe as much as we know almost any other scientific process. Uh, the evidence, in fact, leads us to the inescapable conclusion that God is real. Denying this means embracing superstition and denying facts and science. Denying God's existence is alluring because it means we're not accountable to anyone, and I have compassion for that. I understand that. I mean, if God's not real, I can just send it and not worry about the implications of my life, and I can just live my life and do me and not think about it and be fine and not accountable to anyone. But denying God's existence is also illogical, not factual, and fundamentally unscientific. It is a willful rejection of overwhelming, unassailable stacks of evidence that I believe is harmful to the progress of the human endeavor. Because when we deny science, we hurt people. Listen, much of my family is atheists. I love and have compassion for many people who follow that religion. I understand it. I care about you. I love you. But following what has truly become the religion of atheism requires a dogmatic and systematic rejection of evidence. And it has become an overwhelming denial of scientific realities. And I totally get that leaving a religion is hard. I understand that. Like, I'm a pretty religious man myself when it comes to Christianity. And the thought of leaving Christianity leaves me with, you know, wow, that would be hard. Yet I believe when it comes to atheism, this is what the evidence requires. Many theoretical physicists within the last 10 to 15 years have admitted that there is no way this universe could have happened without a designer. And what that means is that God is real. The idea that God does not exist has been essentially on a scientific level proven false. Not by faith, but by facts. And I think that atheism today has become a cult of sorts. And this is why I have so much compassion for atheists. I care about you so, so much. But a cult is an organization that victimizes people using dogma and strongly stated ideas without evidence to force people into a specific behavior. And then it is penalizing and condescending and cruel to people who point out flaws in those ideas. And that's exactly what we're seeing with atheism today. If you reject it, you are humiliated and looked down upon. Think about society's uh, uh, political figures in society. If a disaster happens and we say, hey, thoughts and prayers for you, just on Twitter. People are ridiculed. What do you mean prayers? How could you be so blah, 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 right? People who disagree with atheists today are deemed stupid. It's dogma. And it's based on a bunch of fundamental assumptions that are not just unprovable, but have actually, factually been proven false to keep the dream alive. I think one of the most disturbing things that I've seen happen in my lifetime is a new fantasy has evolved to answer, you know, the question of how did the universe get finely tuned called string theory or the multiverse. And uh, the problem with the multiverse, and if, if I'm losing you here, go ahead and, and zone out. But if you want answers to this, the problem with the multiverse is that there is no way to prove it, but there's a lot of evidence against it. And if you believe in the 11-dimension theories or the 26-dimension theories that are behind that, we know that both of those are fundamentally flawed. Like, it doesn't work. The multiverse, like, very, very clearly doesn't work. Now, tune back in here, and uh, here's what all this means. Okay, one point today. God is real. God is real. Those little words should blow your mind. Like, I'm saying that. God is real outside of this universe. There is God. At the end of this life, you will for sure stand before him and you're accountable to him. Let that sink in for a moment. I know so many of us, we tune in for Easter. We celebrate Easter and whatever traditions you have. Maybe you're doing it because you're nostalgic. Maybe you're doing it because you still have kind of sunny, you know, maybe it's a parachute, like just in case, whatever. Maybe you had a faith as a kid and it's just what you're doing right now, you're doing it to please your mother-in-law, but just put all those traditions aside just for a moment with me. Put aside your distractions and say in your mind, or even out loud with me, God is real. That's mind-blowing. Marinate on that for me with, for just a moment. This is not blind faith. 
It's not blind faith. God never, ever asked for blind faith. He gives us evidence, always. Jesus never told the disciples to believe without evidence. He did miracles, and faith came. God is real. He's real. And not only is he real, this is a crazy part to me, this blows my mind, it's actually good news when you actually understand what the Bible says, but not only is God real, the God of the Bible is real. The Bible, specifically the old part of the Bible, we call it the Old Testament, made hundreds of precise predictions about the future that actually came true. And for years, specifically in the early part of the 20th century, atheists, secularists, and liberal theologians said, well, the Bible is clearly a fake in this regard. They said, the Bible actually was written after these events occurred. And what it was doing was it was writing about history as though it was predicting the future, right? And they said, the Bible, you know, whatever. Because we didn't have any copies of the Bible that predated the fulfillment of these specific minute prophecies. Well, then we discovered in the ancient Israeli city of Qumran, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, these ancient copies of the Bible that predated the fulfillment of these prophecies. And it's like, well, turns out the Bible was really able to make unique, accurate, precise predictions about the future over and over again. I love the poetic nature of that proof. No other religion has this. Atheism doesn't have this. The Book of Mormon is actually fake. The Quran does not correspond with history, archaeology, and biology the same way that the Bible does. The Bible gives thousands of unique reference points throughout its books. And that's actually kind of cool. It says, you know, on this day, in this month, in this place, so-and-so was king. You know, and, and it always is cross-referencing so that you can look and say, wow, like this actually happened in a real historical context. And we have other books and manuscripts from antiquity that corroborate the story of the Bible. Like, that's cool. That's unique. No other religion has that. So God is real. The God of the Bible is real. And I just want to ask you, do you take him seriously? I think it's a legitimate question. So many of us, we show up to church, sometimes often, sometimes a couple times a year, sometimes online because we don't have to leave our house. That's great. That's great. That's great. I'm glad we're doing it, right? especially in this time. But based on our lives and actions, do we actually take him seriously? I think the answer for a lot of us is no. We kind of believe in him, but we don't actually live like we believe in him. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. He's real, and we're going to stand before him. Like, God is real. It's like, what are we doing? You ever have a friend who's not too bright? I have a friend, had a friend in high school named Tim. And uh, he was a, a fine guy. He had some qualities that were redeemable. Um, but uh, I remember specifically, I mean, he did a lot of, of, of dumb things. But this is one story that happened that I actually just remembered the other day. And it kind of blows my mind that this happened. But we used to paddle out to the middle of our lake on surfboards, windsurfboards, right? We had these windsurfers. And on calm days, we'd paddle out to the middle of our lake. And we were obsessed with diving. So we wanted to get as deep as we would go, or we could go. And we used to bring these bricks out that would help us get down more deeply. And we tied ropes around them so we could pull them back up. But we'd see how deep we could get, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, Tim thought, if I tie these bricks around my ankles, true story, if I tie these bricks around my ankles, then I can use my hands to help me get down faster. Now, that's ridiculous. This is just, this is stupid. This is a bad choice already, right? And we're like, Tim, don't do this. This is a bad choice. You know, he's like, no, let me do me, okay? I feel like this is a great idea. I just want to do it. So Tim ties these bricks around his ankles, right? Keep in mind, he still needs oxygen, right? He doesn't have gills like I did. I left that part of the story out. He's a human being, right? Not a fish. Needs oxygen. Ties these bricks around his ankles, shoves the bricks in the water, and is like, bon voyage, fellas. And he goes down, and we just see bubbles coming up. He had these slip knots, and he doesn't come up. Right, so my friend Justin dives into the water, goes down, gets his slip knots out because Tim was panicking and thought he was dead. And Justin saves Tim's life. Tim should have died. He should have died in that moment. That should have been the end of his life. And it's like, dude, what were you thinking though? For, I mean, for real, that was a terrible choice. That was a terrible, like the worst choice ever. Nobody ever has made a choice that bad. Like that is, wow, 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 wow. Really, really, really bad choice. Why, why? 
because of gravity and, I mean, buoyancy and oxygen levels. I mean, so many reasons, right? So many reasons. It's just so silly because he, he, didn't, he didn't think ahead. And yet, spiritually, this is how so many of us treat the fact that God is real. It's like, what, what are you thinking? So many of us are like, yeah, God's real. I'm accountable to him. And at the end of this life, I'll have to stand before him and give an account for all my actions and whatever. But who cares what God says about who I am personally, physically, emotionally, sexually, and on a gender level? I'm just going to send it, right? It's going to be great. I'll just do me. So many of us are more concerned about our retirement account and unrealized gains and losses in our 401k and our TikTok and our relationships and our Snapchat and our Instagram or, or the fact that we can't stand another week with our kids. Can I get a testimony? Right? We're concerned more about those things than we are about the reality that God is real. And it's like, what are we thinking? Like, think ahead. Hello? We are going to stand before him. God's real like actually real. Can we please, 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 please for a moment... Take that seriously. Like this Easter, there's never been a better time to actually think about it. Don't listen to the high-pressure, dogmatic cult of society. Don't listen to that. Tune into the fact that God is real. We have lived in the richest, safest, best time in American history materially before this crisis, by far, by a long point, by a long shot. But in spite of this, my generation is the least happy. It's also the least Christian in American history. It turns out that following Jesus... Not only gives you eternal hope, but when people don't do it in masses of society today, it makes societies less prosperous and less happy. Because he's real, I want to ask you, would you consider following Jesus today? I know many of you are like, okay, okay, I get it. God's real. I understand. It's good. <laughs> you got me. All right? I understand God's real. Um, but most people say, I don't want to follow God because of the problem of evil, right? Uh, that's not actually true. Most people in America follow God. But um, there are many people who don't follow God who say, I don't want to follow him because of the problem of evil. I don't want to follow God because bad things happen. And right now, the biggest question I see being asked a lot of times is, um, why would I follow a God who allows a pandemic like this to happen? That's the big problem. You know, God allows a pandemic. I don't want to follow him. And I totally get that question. I totally understand it. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different ways that I could address it. But right now, I just want to address the, the fundamental logical flaw in that, right? There's, there's so many other things we could go to, and I could do multiple sermons on this, but I'm just going to go to level zero here, and, and we'll just take out the whole thing. Now, um, I don't like cancer, right? I don't. I, I, I think it's a horrible disease, and uh, if I had cancer, if I was diagnosed with can cancer, God forbid, um, but if I was diagnosed with cancer, the fact that I don't like it or I don't feel like it's a good thing doesn't change the fact that it's real, right? And I could say, I don't believe in you, cancer. I don't like you, so I don't believe in you. It's not going to change the fact that it's real in my life. You know, um, one of the late great inventors of our age, his name is Steve Jobs, right, uh, founded Apple. Um, he got a very treatable form of cancer, and he ended up dying from it because he didn't take it seriously. He's like, I don't really care about you, cancer, right? In our lives, even though we don't like something, even though we might not even believe in something, even though we might not take it seriously, doesn't mean that it isn't real. It is real. Now, there are some deeper answers to God's goodness, but the argument that because you disagree with God, or that you don't like God, or that God makes you feel uncomfortable, or that he doesn't make sense to you. It has no bearing on his realness or your accountability to him. He's real, so we're accountable to him, period. That's the end of the story. Regardless of whether you like him or don't like him, agree with him or disagree with him, if he's real, we're accountable to him, and we follow him. The other common question I get is, um, why would I follow a God who labels things that feel natural to me as sin? And that's a really slippery slope. And I totally get that. I get that. There have been times that I've been confident that each of my children as toddlers have been so mad at me that they would want to murder me. 
And I know this is why God gives little kids little bodies, because otherwise they would murder their parents en masse. It'd be a huge problem, right? But some of my kids, all four of my kids, in fact, at different times have been so mad at me. I know they've tried, they've, they've wanted to kill me. You know, little bodies like screaming, reaching at me. Thank God they're not big. Otherwise they would take me out, you know, because I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. But anyway, um, they've been so mad at me that they've wanted to murder me. My wife, in fact, has probably been very close to that man as well, but that's a different story. Here's the thing. I'm sure that it felt natural to them. I'm sure that it felt real to them. And I'm sure that for some of them, at some different times, murdering me felt right. But their feelings don't change the moral standard that exists that says that murdering is wrong. Why? Because our feelings, no matter how strong they might be, don't change facts. And the fact is that murdering is wrong. I would say that there are other moral standards that exist in our life as well. And uh, here's the thing. The fact that my children were children and had strong feelings, that doesn't change when we're adults. Adults have strong feelings as well. And I think that many, many different times, human beings, well-intentioned, feeling very strongly, have made lots and lots of poor choices. The fact that God calls sin, sin in nearly every level or every area leads to lower levels of life satisfaction and human prosperity. Scientifically, sociologically, we know this. And I actually think that's interesting. Thousands of years before sociological science could discover it, God laid out a plan that leads to human prosperity. And even if God asked us to do things that made ourselves miserable, which statistically he does not by any means, it has no bearing on whether or not he's real. God is real. And because he's real, what he says is right is right. I believe that God created the universe and everything in it. Sin is anything that rebels against God's best for our life. Sin statistically leads to lower levels of life satisfaction. I think it's so interesting that thousands of years before sociological science and biological science proved it out, God laid out a plan that was laughable at the time, but it, was, it worked and it was right. I mean, think about this. God taught the Jews these crazy things like marriages between one man and one woman for life. At that time, there were no other societies that did that. That was laughable. That was ridiculous. God taught us that women have dignity, that, that children have value intrinsically, right? And at that time, it was laughable, but today, we understand that that is best. God taught Jewish people to wash their hands. Isn't that crazy? Like, that would be ridiculous, the idea that washing your hands was hygienic and ceremonial, clean, ceremonial cleanliness was important. God taught this thousands of years ago, and today we're like, oh, yeah, especially today, we're like, that makes sense. Sin not only um, leads to lower levels of life satisfaction in this life, but sin separates us from a relationship with God. We can't have God's spirit in our life now with sin. We also can't be with God after this life because of sin. This is why Easter is such a big deal. You see, we believe that God sent himself into the world as Jesus so that we could know him and uh, so that he could deal with our sin on the cross. Jesus spiritually, through his work on the cross, took our sin upon himself. Then he rose from the grave to demonstrate his power over all creation. And 500 people saw him after his resurrection. It was such a legit historical sensation that we have several different uh, sources from antiquity that write about it outside of the Bible, which is mind-blowing. Change the world. God is real. He's not just real. He is loving. Following him brings hope, purpose, meaning, and joy every day. And this is what I love. God isn't just real. He is good. Like God being real means every tragedy that we go through is redeemed. Every sad moment has hope because this is not all there is because there's life after death. Because of that, even death itself, even life in a pandemic where we lose a lot, death has lost its victory because Jesus gave us victory over death. The same God, the same God who made this tiny ball of water moving around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour tells us that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I love that God says whoever. He doesn't discriminate. 
right? He is open. He's loving. He says, look, whoever, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you've lived. What matters is that you choose to leave that now and you choose to root your identity in who God says you are, not who you feel about yourself. Lots of people believe in God. This verse is very, very misunderstood a lot because the American definition, the definition of believe here in the United States is such a broad one. Lots of people believe in a lot of things. But for Greeks, if you believed in something, um, that would mean that your actions would, would match that belief. And if you said, I believe in that, but then your actions didn't match that belief, then you didn't really believe in it, right? And I think that's a really important distinction to make because I think there's lots of Christians who say, oh, I believe in God, right? But your actions don't really match that belief. So then according to Greeks, according to this verse, you don't, you don't really believe in God. What matters is, do you believe so deep in God, so hard in God that you choose to change your life? This is the challenge that God gives us today. What matters is, do you choose to turn from sin and follow Jesus? Not because God wants you to miss out, but because he loves you so much, he wants you to have the most. The only reason we do this church thing is because we love you and we want you to know God. We want you to experience the fullness of his presence in your life. God is real. We want you to know that truth. We want you to live with that hope and experience that joy. We don't believe it simply by faith. We know it and we see the evidence all around us. When I was a young man, I remember going to my uncle's house. He was a smart man. He had a PhD in like LG or something. He was brilliant and genius and I remember he tried to evangelize me all the time to his religion. At the time, I didn't know that's what he was doing. But looking back, I can very clearly see that he was proselytizing me. He wanted me very much to embrace his belief system of atheism. And he kept talking about it, and he kept pointing out, you know, this might be an issue with your faith and this and that. He got pretty aggressive and, and pretty high pressure, right? And today I might even call it spiritually abusive, but at the time I didn't know that was happening. He was just, he was all over it. And he wasn't trying to be mad. He just, he just was. And uh, I remember him putting pressure on me and going home one day. I stumbled across this verse in Romans. And this is really great. Even if you don't believe in the Bible, even if you think the Bible is ridiculous, this verse is so powerful. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I just remember reading that, and I thought, wow, that makes sense. And at the time, I wasn't sure I believed in the Bible, but I read that, and that made sense to me. I was like, wow. I mean, and you've heard me say it before, but something doesn't come from nothing. Intelligent design doesn't come from no intelligence. A finely tuned universe doesn't happen without a fine tuner. I mean, we're here because God made us. And in that moment, I just remember, I just, in my mind, intellectually, I like stood up and said, you know what? I think I'm gonna be a Christian. Like, I, think, I, I don't think I can follow the religion of atheism. And in that moment, I was set free from the purposelessness, the hopelessness, and the selfishness that naturally arise from atheism. The more I've learned and the older I've got, the more grateful I've become for understanding that truth the more grateful I become that I'm removed from the pain that comes from that belief system. God is real. It's not just faith. It's not just like ignore facts and pretend. I think that's what the secular world calls us to, but this is real. This is what the evidence tells us. God is real. Easter, April 12th, 2020. I want you in your living rooms to understand that, to embrace that. And I think so many of you are, so many of you are. If you believe that God is real, I think it begs the very next question that I wanna ask. What would happen tonight if you died? That's a big question that I want you to look at. The Bible actually takes a shot at this in Matthew 25 in verse 31. It tells us, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when Jesus comes back in his glory and all the angels are with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. He looks at him, he says, come on in, guys, come on into heaven. And that's what he's talking about right here. That's incredible. 
You know, so many people talk about a heaven and hell, and here's this book that's uniquely, accurately predicted the future, been preserved generation to generation. It's been so timeless and transcendent, and it tells us, yeah, heaven's real. I find that convicting. This next part is even more so. It says, then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the, uh, the devil and his demons. Wow, heaven is real, and hell is real. It ends by saying, and they will all go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. This Easter, I want the church to know that God is real. He's real. I want your families to know that God is real. And I don't just want you to say it. I don't just want you to, in the English way, believe it. I want you, in the Greek way, to believe it. To believe so deep it changes your life. I know some of you, you probably heard this message, you thought, well, that was, that was interesting. But I don't want that. I want transformation. There are four questions that I wrote down that I want to challenge you to actually discuss after this. And uh, you can have a Zoom meeting with a friend. You can journal about it. You can talk with your families, parents, husbands, fathers in the room. I challenge you to lead your families in this. Have an open, honest discussion because these are four good questions. I wrote them down right here. First one, do you believe that God is real? Why or why not? I'm so grateful that when I was in eighth grade, my dad gave me the freedom and confidence to tell him that I didn't believe in God. I'm so glad that I had a safe enough relationship with him to tell him I didn't so that we were able to process that unbelief together. And I was eventually able to come to a place where where I did choose to follow Jesus. Number two, do your life, actions, and thoughts match your beliefs? Let's get real here. Let's get real about our thoughts and actions because I think so many of us say we believe, but we, we don't actually believe. Number three, who is Jesus to you? Man, it's so meaningful to me to hear my father as a young boy, I remember him declaring who Jesus was to him, to hear my mother declare who Jesus was to her. And lastly, if you died tonight, where would God send you and why? Get honest about it. Get real about it. I'd actually like you to think about this. More significantly, I know some of you are realizing maybe for the first time that God is real. For some of you, it's not something that you're realizing for the first time. You've always known it. But now he's calling you back to him. Because if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been living like he's real despite your belief. I want you to know it's not too late. You can come home to him. You can come back to him. For others, this is the first time you're hearing it. You're like, man, I I didn't realize there was all this evidence behind it. Regardless, you don't have to wait until we're back in church again physically to follow him. You can make this unique and special Easter 2020, April 12th, 2020, your day where you choose to go all in with Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and uh, you can say it with me. Um, But listen, the prayer doesn't mean anything unless you mean it in your heart. It's not like some magic prayer. It's just a declaration of beliefs that we're giving to Jesus together. I would challenge you to pray with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are real and that you are the only hope for dealing with sin. I've not been living like I believe, but I resolve to change and live like you call me to this day, Jesus. Thank you for dealing with my sin. Please forgive me. I choose to follow you and live like I believe as best I can from this day forward. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. Hey, um, if you just took a step in faith today, I would challenge you to text I'm in to 474747. And Elise or Kristen will get in contact with you this week. We want to help put wheels on your faith. Uh, if you still have questions, text I'm in to 474747. We want to help you process those. We want to help you take a step in faith today. If this message is connected with you and you're like, man, I need to make a change, I need to do something in my life, text I'm in to 474747. Jesus is alive, He is real, and I want us to celebrate today. 
Before I turn it over to the ladies, uh, I actually want to show you guys a brief preview of a new sermon series. It's starting next week. It's all about relationships in quarantine. Go ahead and check out this trailer. That's our next sermon series. It's going to be all about relationships and quarantine, as you saw. I think it's going to be helpful, practical, and applicable. I want to challenge you to tune in and watch it. If we get out of quarantine in the middle of the series, we'll change it to just all about relationships. We'll pivot a little bit, but um, I'm believing the best is yet to come. It's going to be great, and uh, please, please tune back in and check this out. Uh, we're part of one family, one team, and one dream in Christ Jesus. Even if it's your first time here with us, I like to end services with a team on three. So um, everybody, hands in, hands in, team on three, one, two, three, team!